Well, today is the fourth and the final Sunday of Advent. We've been celebrating Advent, focusing on Advent at this part in our services for the last four weeks now. And you know, if you have heard any of the focuses at this time, that the challenge has been, let's not leave Jesus in the manger as baby. Let's, let's not leave him there. Yes, that is what we think about when we think about Christmas. But the temptation so many times is that let's think of Jesus as the baby that's in the manger. And as I've been saying, our focus needs to also include the fact that he is indeed going to come back again. When we look at the earthly ministry of Jesus, you know, he spent very little time in the manger. He spent his earthly ministry outside the manger. So I want to challenge us yet one more time when we think of this Christmas season. Yes, let's focus on the birthday of Jesus Christ. But let's also remember that the day is coming when he will come back. And on that day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I wonder this morning, do you know him today? Now, last Sunday evening in our, in our uh, candlelight service, we lit the fourth candle. We're going to be lighting the fifth and final candle this morning. I want to remind you quickly what each of these candles represent. First candle represents hope or promise. And we talked about the fact that through Jesus, we do indeed have hope. We have hope if we know him as our Lord and Savior. The second candle that we lit represents preparation, and we talked about the fact that prophets foretold the birth of Jesus many years before he was born. We talked about the fact that John the Baptist prepared the way for the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, and we talked about the fact that we, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to prepare this community, to prepare the state of Kentucky to prepare the United States of America and to prepare the world for the second coming of Jesus Christ. The candle from last Sunday morning that we lit, it was the rose or pink colored candle, and it represents joy. We talked about the wise men rejoicing exceedingly with great joy. And I told last Sunday morning, that we should have that same joy. We should experience that same joy as we wait for the return of Jesus Christ. Again, I've got to ask you, are you ready? Now, the candle we lit during the candlelight service last Sunday night represented love, and we talked about the great degree of love that God has for us. And we also talked about the fact that as Christians, we are to love others as Jesus loves, as God loves us. Now, the candle for this morning, it's white. It's in the middle. And it's referred to as the Christ candle. This, this particular candle, it, it's meant to represent the life of Jesus Christ. It symbolizes the incarnation. It symbolizes the heart and reason for this season that we celebrate this morning we give thanks for the fact that Jesus is indeed the light of the world. Remember, Jesus tells us in, in, in John, Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and in me there is no darkness, none at all. So this morning we give thanks for that. We give thanks that he is the light of the world. We give thanks that Jesus is indeed 
the spotless Lamb of God. We give thanks that He's coming back again. He is coming back again. It's no accident that this candle that represents Christ is in the middle because if you want to experience true hope, if you want to experience true joy, if you want to experience true love, you'll find those things only in and through Jesus Christ. I wonder, do you know him today? This morning, as we look to our message, I'm sure none of you need me to remind you that today's Christmas Eve. Today is Christmas Eve. Not only is Christmas coming, Christmas is here. Now, likely, most of you, including us, we've done some preparation to get to this point today, haven't we? Maybe we planned for family gatherings. Maybe we've gone shopping. I haven't. (laughs) I'm not a good shopper, and I am thankful that my wife is. Um, that I am not a good shopper. But no doubt many of you have spent some time shopping. We give gifts at Christmas, but let's never forget that Jesus is the greatest gift that we could ever experience, the greatest gift that we could ever receive. Maybe we've had events to attend. Maybe we've experienced the hustle and bustle of Christmas. And now here we are. We're gathered as a church family on Christmas Eve, the day before Christmas. And as I promised last week, we're departing this morning from our sermon series in in the book of 1 John. And we're going to be looking at a very familiar passage of Scripture. It's the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Many of you have heard it many, many times. Many of you have heard it for basically the same amount of years that you are old. But do you know the story? Do you know the story? Let's hear it again this morning. Again, Luke chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 20. If you are physically able to stand this morning, I wanted to invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word. And again, I do want to remind you this is the Word of God. Luke's Gospel tells us this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. 
The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to open your word and read it together as a congregation this morning. Father, now, for the next few minutes, I pray that you will limit distractions from the outside world. Lord, I pray that while we are in this building, our complete focus will be upon you. Father, I pray that you will hide me behind the cross. Lord, I pray that your anointing will be upon me this morning. Lord, I pray that I will faithfully point these people to you and to the cross. And Father, as I often pray at this time, I pray for anyone who is hearing my voice right now that does not know you truly as their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that this will be the day that conviction will fall. I pray that we will see people give their lives to you today. Father, may we leave here rejoicing just like the shepherds. And may we not just rejoice at one time a year. I pray that we will rejoice daily because of the great things that Jesus has done. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, the title of this morning's message is May We Worship Like the Shepherd. And I want to be really transparent with you in the beginning this morning. One thing that I fear every time that I preach a really familiar passage of Scripture is As with this morning's text, my fear is that just as soon as you hear that opening phrase, that you'll think, I've heard this before. I know this story. My fear is that you'll check out. I want to encourage you this morning, guard against that. I want to tell you, as I do many times, God's Word is truly inspired and inerrant. Perhaps it will speak to you this morning, even through the form of a familiar story that many of you have heard all of your life. All of your life. So as we take a look at our text in detail this morning, we are going to see something that I just want to remind you of at the very beginning. We're going to see that sometimes God works through everyday, ordinary, common people And he uses those people to accomplish his divine purpose. And we're going to see through our text this morning that he uses a group of people, the shepherds. He uses them mightily. And let me tell you this, we don't even know their names. 
We don't know any of their names. But he used them in a mighty way. I wonder this morning, how might he, might, how might he want to use you this morning to accomplish his divine purpose? Are we willing to be used? Perhaps some of you have heard me say that just now. And you might be asking yourself the question or thinking a comment like this. I'm just not sure that I can even be used by God. That's the enemy speaking to you. That is the enemy speaking to you. I can tell you the answer to that. If Christ has transformed your heart, if you are truly following Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He can and He will use you if you'll let Him. If you'll let Him. One of my prayers this morning is that we will let Him use us. He used common, everyday shepherds. And we're going to be talking about these shepherds in detail in just a few minutes. But again, he used these common, everyday shepherds. Don't think that he cannot use you because he can. Now, just to set the scene here, remember that Joseph and Mary, they were dealing with a situation that many people did not understand. No doubt there were a lot of people right there with them that thought they understood it in detail. But in, at the end of the day, they didn't understand hardly anything about the situation that Joseph and Mary were dealing with. We see from our text this morning that Joseph and Mary were betrothed. Now, I want to explain that just a minute because that's not a word that we deal with a lot today. We probably hear it this time of year and we don't think about it again the rest of the year. But the betrothal was a public ceremony. It was performed in front of witnesses. And at the end of that ceremony, the couple was considered to be legally married at the end of this betrothal process. But one big difference between then and now is that they didn't live together for a specified period of time at the end of this betrothal service or the betrothal period. Nor were they physically intimate. And I will just leave it right there. I'm sure the majority of you are following me. So, during that period of time, after this betrothal period, but before Joseph and Mary were actually living together, before they were physically intimate, Mary finds herself pregnant. Now, she knows why. The Father's the Holy Spirit. But imagine trying to explain that. Imagine trying to explain that to the people in the community who think, yeah, I know exactly what's happened here. I know exactly what's happened here. They thought she had committed adultery. She hadn't. She had done nothing Wrong. Not one thing wrong. But that didn't stop the whispers. That didn't stop the glares. Just to tell you how serious this situation was, adultery was punishable by death at that time. Joseph could have had Mary killed. Now again, Mary had done nothing wrong. She had not committed adultery. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. 
and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Imagine yourself being either Joseph or Mary right now. We know Mary's pregnant. And now we get this news that's on the screen right now. Do you think they might have been wondering, what else? What else will happen now that we've got to do? Well, the what else is coming here in a few minutes. We're going to see in the text the what else. But no matter what their thoughts were, there is now a decree that all the world has to comply with. They have to be registered. And it, verse 3 says, all went to be registered, each to his own town. All went to be registered. So, at that point, Joseph and Mary, Mary being very pregnant at this point, they begin to make this journey of approximately 90 miles to be registered in the hometown of Joseph. Can you imagine what that would have been like on either of them, but especially on Mary, to be very far along in her pregnancy, not to be able to get in an automobile, not to be able to get on a train, an airplane to make this journey. She likely she was riding on an animal and possibly walking part of the way. Can you imagine how difficult that journey was for her? And let me just answer that question for us this morning. No, we can't. We can't. The very best that we can do is try to imagine the difficulty of that journey. And then remember, I said a moment ago, they're, they're likely thinking, what else is going to happen to us? Well, now we're getting to the what else part of that. Verse 6, while they were there, the time came for Mary to give birth. She's very young, probably around 14 years old, somewhere around that age period. Her first pregnancy. She's away from her mother. She is away from every friend that she's ever known other than Joseph. And she goes into labor while they are away from everything that's familiar to her. Perhaps we would be asking the question, why? Why did it happen then? Because that's how God ordained it. That's where Jesus was to be born. And as a result, Mary gives birth to the Savior of the world, and she does it in a cattle stall. And she lays this baby not in, not in a crib, but in a manger that animals typically ate from. Again, because there was no room for them in the end. I want to remind you, Jesus was not born in a fancy hotel. He was not born in a sanitary hospital. In fact, he was born in a very common place. And I believe that God used that situation, which was really earth's lowest, to bring salvation and to make it available from heaven's highest. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day 
this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, I want to remind you the title of this morning's message is May We Worship Like the Shepherds. Let me tell you just a little bit about shepherds from this particular time period. And I'll just start by saying it was not an occupation that many desired to do. It was not an occupation that most people put on their to-do list. I want to be a shepherd when I grow up. That is not what most people desired to do. You see, it was a very lonely occupation. And on top of that, shepherds had to deal with being accused of robbery, They had to deal with being accused of using land that supposedly they didn't have rights to. And so maybe you're wondering, what did shepherds do? What did they actually do? Why are they so important to the story of the birth of Jesus Christ? Well, the shepherds protected their sheep. They protected their sheep and they did it at all costs. At absolutely all costs. While the sheep were sleeping... The shepherds were awake. They wanted to be sure the sheep didn't wake up and wander off during the night and get lost or perhaps be devoured by a predator. So why would God send an angel out to where these shepherds were? Since the Savior of the world had just been born, why was it not announced to royalty? You ever think about that? Why was this great announcement? Why did God choose shepherds instead of a king, instead of the governor? Why was it shepherds? Perhaps you're asking the question, why was the Savior of the world born in a cattle stall, wrapped in swaddling cloths and laying in a manger of all things? How could this news that the angel brought to the the shepherds, how could it really be good news of great joy that's for all the people? Well, I want to answer some of those questions for you this morning. The fact that the angel appeared to shepherds, it lets us know that this good news is really for all people. If this announcement had been made to royalty, how would any of us ever know that it was truly good news for us? Instead, God selected some of the lowest people on earth to reveal this great announcement to. And it's an example that it truly is good news of great joy, and it is for all people. It is not just for one group of people or certain groups of people, it is good news of great joy and it truly is for all people. I wonder this morning, have you experienced personally that good news of great joy? As I remind you of frequently, the word gospel literally translates to good news. This good news, it came through a little baby that is named Jesus Christ. Now, I want to talk about the joy for just a minute, the good news of great joy. What what brings joy? What in your life brings joy? Is Is it a job? Is it a material possession? Is it a certain type of car? Is it a certain type of home? 
What is it in your life that it takes to bring true joy? Well, let me tell you something this morning. If you're looking for joy in any of those things that I mentioned just now, you're looking in the wrong place. None of those things will bring anything other than temporary joy. And temporary, sometimes it's very, very temporary. If we want true joy in our life, let me tell you something. His name's Jesus. His name is Jesus. I wonder, do you truly know him today? Joy comes from this gift that God gave us. It came first as a tiny baby in a manger. Jesus Christ, he is our Savior. He is our Deliverer. He is our Redeemer. I wonder, do you know him today? Does your life contain this joy that we're talking about in these verses today. And I want to take it a step further. If we truly have joy in our lives, then we will worship. We will worship. Do we have that joy this morning? And I hope for you the answer is yes. But I want to tell you, if if right now you cannot answer that question yes, you'll be able to have an opportunity before you leave this place to be introduced to Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And I want us for just a moment to concentrate on verses 15 and 16. I want to be sure that we don't miss this. Notice when you are looking at verses 15 and 16, the shepherds do not say anything like this. They don't say, this, this is not convenient for me. This day won't work. Now, maybe I can do it on this day next week. But today's not convenient. They did not say those things. It was important to them. Look at verse 16. It says they went with haste. They went quickly. They went quickly because they had a desire to worship. I wonder this morning, do we have that same desire to worship that the shepherds did? Are we willing to leave everything to worship Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world? Are we truly willing to worship? Are we truly willing? Willing to worship like the shepherds did? Or do we look at worship more as a form of entertainment? Something that we just do on Sunday. And if that's the way we look at it, we're not worshiping at all. We are not worshiping at all. If we look at it as that's just something that we do on Sunday. Is it a priority to us? It was for the shepherds. They were willing to go immediately. I wonder, are we, or do we fit, just fit church in whenever we can? 
whenever it is convenient for us. Now, folks, this, I want you to hear me this morning. I am not legalistic. I am. If y'all know me at all, you know I'm not legalistic. But here's what I want you to hear. If Christ has transformed our heart, we will want together and worship. It will be an overflow of our heart. And if, if you're not experiencing that, you really need to be asking this question, why? Are you looking at whoever proclaims the message to bring the Holy Spirit, or do you believe the Holy Spirit's already here? You need to answer that question. If you're looking for the person who proclaims the message to bring the Holy Spirit, there's a big misunderstanding. There is a big misunderstanding on how the Holy Spirit works. Is church a priority to us or is it not? Now, I know as soon as I make a statement like that, any time that I have ever made a statement like that before, Usually that afternoon, but at least by the next day, I'll start getting text messages. People will send me messages on Facebook, calling, showing up, and they will say something like, well, you realize and you, I can worship without being at church. You can, but if that's what you hold to, you need to be asking yourself why. Because, you know, you can legally be married and never go home either. But that's probably not going to work very well for any of us who are married. There's a desire to be at home with your spouse. If we're a child of God, there should be a desire in our heart to worship. And yes, I do realize there are people who have a legitimate reason of why they cannot come. That is not what I'm talking about right now. Of course we all realize there's going to be days where we're sick. We're not going to be able to come. There may come a time in our life, we, we know a number of people from our own church who used to be very active that are now shut in their homes for health purposes. They're not physically able to come. That's not who I'm talking about when I make this statement. I am talking about if you are able and willing to go anywhere you want, anytime you want, but you don't find a need to make church a priority. And I want you to hear me say this gently, but at the same time loudly. Then your priorities are out of line. Your priorities are out of line. If we call ourselves a follower of Jesus and we have no desire to make him our top priority. Now, in about a week, perhaps some, of, some people have already started, but there will be a number of people that will make New Year's resolutions between now and next Sunday, which will be New Year's Eve. And if any of this has struck a nerve with you this morning, perhaps you need to resolve to make Jesus a priority in 2024. Perhaps you need to resolve to make Jesus a priority today. Let's not wait to 2024, even though it's just basically seven days away. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You know, when we look at that, when we think about how joyful these shepherds were, 
I think it's one of those. Have you ever, have you ever heard of a situation where somebody will say, I am just so joyful, I can't contain myself. Now, sometimes we will say that after the birth of a child or other significant events in our lives. But I think these shepherds, they had experienced such great joy that they could not contain themselves. And as a result, it says they returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. I wonder, do we glorify and praise God that way? Are we so happy about the transformation that's occurred in our life that we just cannot wait to rejoice, to share that with somebody? And before you say yes, let me remind you that usually the time of praise at the end of our service is pretty quiet. Are we willing to glorify and praise God for all that He has done? In our lives, do we have a desire to worship like the shepherds? And I pray that the answer to that question is a big yes, a big yes, a definite yes. So this morning, as we think about the invitation, I want you to know that if you are hearing my voice this morning, whether you are in this audience in person or whether you are watching us on the live stream or hearing it on the radio, if you are hearing my voice right now and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know this invitation, it's for you. It is for you. As I remind you often, life is so very uncertain. It could end for any of us today. It could end for us before we even get back to our homes today through a car wreck, through a heart attack, through a stroke, you name it, it could happen. I am not telling you that to scare you into salvation. That is not the way I work. But I do want you to know, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there is no greater problem that you could possibly have. There is no greater problem that you could possibly have than to die and not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I wonder this morning, do you know him today? If you don't, you can. You can know Jesus as your Lord and Savior before you leave this place today. You've got to admit that there's sin in your life and that that sin has caused a separation. You've got to be willing to admit that. You've also got to be willing to lay it at the feet of Jesus and trust that he's sufficient to forgive you of your sins. You've got to believe that Jesus is God's son, that everything the Bible says about Jesus is true, that the Bible is true in its entirety. We've got to believe that Jesus loved us so much that he gave his life on the old rugged cross. We've got to believe that he physically died that he was removed from the cross, that his body was buried. He was truly physically dead, but after three days, on the third day, he arose. That is wonderful news. His body is no longer in the grave. That is wonderful, wonderful news. We've got to believe that. We've got to believe that he's coming back again. It might be today, as I've said before. And then we've got to be willing to confess. And that confessing step, I think, is the hardest of all three. 
Because it involves a repenting and turning from our life of sin. Now, will there be times where we won't get it right? Yes, there will. Unfortunately, there will. As I say so often, we live in a world that's absolutely infested with sin. But we should not become comfortable with sin. If we can live and commit sins and not feel any conviction for it, let me just tell you there's a problem. There is a problem. I wonder this morning, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Again, if you don't, there is no more serious problem that you can have. The second part of the invitation this morning is maybe, maybe this morning during this message you have, have come to realize, you know, I'm not making Jesus as much of, as of a priority as I should. I want to encourage you. That can change today. Come forward today. Kneel at the foot of the cross. Make the commitment that from this point forward, Jesus will be your number one priority. Will it be easy? No. Will it be worth it? Absolutely. You know, so often we we sing the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. Or maybe wherever he leads, I'll go. But will we? Or maybe the song is, I surrender all. Do we? Do we surrender all? Or do we just want to surrender the part that we really don't care about anyway? The part that's easy to lay down. You know, you've heard me, many of you have heard me say several times, I truly believe until we have surrendered all, we really hadn't experienced surrender. Maybe you're here this morning, you're carrying a burden. There are so many burdens that unfortunately, from time to time, we try to carry by ourselves. But can I tell you, Jesus would love for you to lay that burden at his feet this morning. He will carry that burden for you. Now, that doesn't mean that the situations go go away. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that the situation is going to go away. It doesn't mean, unfortunately, that it will be easy from that point forward. But what it does mean is that Jesus will carry that burden for you if you will let him. Perhaps this morning... You need to come forward for another reason. Whatever the need is, I invite you to come and lay it at the feet of Jesus. And I pray that as we prepare for this time of invitation, I pray that we will truly have a desire to worship like the shepherds. Not just today, but 365 days a year. In our homes, in our jobs, at the grocery station, at the grocery store, at the gas station. Wherever he puts us, I pray that that's where we will be worshiping. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for allowing us to look at the lives of these shepherds, these common, everyday people that we don't even know their names. Father, you use them in a mighty way. Father, help us to remember that even though we don't know their names, you certainly do. Help us to remember that you're sufficient each and every day of the year. You are sufficient for any and every need. Father, I pray that
that when we have a desire to carry a burden on our own, Father, I pray that we would instead kneel at the cross and give that burden to you. Father, I pray for people that are hearing my voice right at this very moment that that do not have a relationship with you. Father, I just pray that your convicting power will fall on their heart, on their life. Lord, I pray that, that they would realize that there is no bigger problem than dying separated from Jesus. Lord, I pray that we will see salvation in this place today. Lord, I pray that we will see forgiveness in this place today. Lord, I pray that we will see you work and do the exceedingly abundantly more than our earthly minds can even think to ask or imagine. Father, may you do it today. May a revival begin in this place today. Father, I pray that we will truly worship like those shepherds did. Lord, may it be so important to us that we are willing to come and worship. We often sing that song that has the line in it, come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King. May we, may we do that, not just today, but every day of our lives. Father, may our lives honor you, and it's in the name of Jesus that I pray these things. Amen.